Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas, who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, I've got a fitness and nutritional expert on, and she knows all things intermittent fasting. It's Melissa McAllister. You'll get to meet her right after this. I'm officially giddy. I'm at the part of the house building process. This is our third home to build where it's all the fun stuff, the sexy stuff. You know, I don't care about uh, the things that make it work. I like the stuff that makes it look pretty. And Akel's Carpet One is definitely helping me make it look pretty. It's the backsplash, guys. The backsplash I'm getting from Akel's Carpet One. You're thinking, well, aren't they carpet and flooring? They are so much more. They have all the cool stuff for your kitchen, for your bathroom. They have cabinets. So when you've got any project at your home, whether you're building from scratch, you're remodeling, you're just doing a little fix up. You want it to look like it's a house from this century called Akel's Carpet One. Those of you in Arkansas know the name. If you're listening from out of state, it's worth the drive here. They beat the big box stores. Booyah! No one else does that and great customer service. My tile, can't wait to show it to you. I'll put it on my social media and I'm not hiding. You can find my social media anywhere. Lisa Fisher said podcast and check the show notes for Akel's Carpet One. I know how to butter up a guest. I told Melissa here that uh, talking to me is going to be like having a glass of gluten-free, grain-free wine and probably something that has no tannins or anything that would make you allergic, right? Or how sensitive are you when you drink alcohol? I'm not. I'm actually a very expensive drunk. <laughs> are you now? You got I any, am. For, just off the top, you got any recommendations you can share with us? Like what do the healthy people drink? Uh, honestly, uh, you know, as far as calories go, champagne's really good. Um, but I'm a big fan of dry farm wines because they, they really do a good job of sourcing healthy, healthy wines from around the world. But now I've heard it's not so good. Wine. The dry farm. Oh, how come? So a friend of mine ordered and, you know, they send you out like the starter pack. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And she just said because they are organically grown, maybe we want some pesticides. Maybe that's what makes her wine taste good. But she said she got the dry farm wines and it just wasn't that great. And she went back to the cheap hooch at uh, the Costco or wherever she got it. No, I get that. Yeah, I, I get the sample pack every uh, month. I get six bottles of whatever they want to send me. And there's some times that I'm like, mm, no, not that good. But but honestly, probably out of the six, I love four. One I can give or take. And there's normally one that I'm just like, eh, give that to the kids because they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> How old are the kids there, Melissa? Shoot, they're 25 and 26. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to say seven and nine. <laughs> what? That wouldn't stop me. Right, I'm that, that, I love the way you think. Okay, let's talk about your health journey. One of my followers on Instagram was the one who said, you've got to follow this girl, Lisa. I think you'd like her. You kind of speak the same language. So tell me about the language you speak with health and how you got here. Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, <laughs> Lisa, I'm going to go very far back, really fast. We've got but, time. Um, oh, good. I, <laughs> I'm a, a, a victim of Agent Orange. My father did serve in Vietnam. Wow. And the thing that is so ironic about my own health journey is uh, my, my husband, my father was exposed to Agent Orange while in Vietnam. And it is, you know, that 
that pesticide herbicide from Monsanto that he he got in his system, but just like any toxin, it just sat in his fat cells. And so no harm, no foul. And he decided to become, to go into the helicopter pilot school in the army and had to lose weight very rapidly. So he went on a crash diet and lost some fat and that Agent Orange released into his bloodstream at the same time that I was conceived. So my sister was born in 72 and she was just fine because my, my dad was fat, dumb and happy. But then he decided to lose weight. And in 74, uh, when I was born, um, I had, you know, severe uh, birth defects from Agent Orange. And so I, they wanted to amputate my feet because I had what was called elephantitis of the forefeet. So the bones in my feet, my feet were huge. They were almost, a, I mean, they were huge when I was born. So they, you know, instantly whisked me away and stuffed this eight and a half pound baby in this little tiny incubator because I thought there would be a lot of problems which my husband might argue there are, but that's another, that's another, <laughs> another story. story right. <laughs> yeah. And so they wanted to amputate at the ankle because the, the bones in my feet just kept growing rapidly and they, they didn't know how to stop it. So the only way they knew to stop it was to cut them off where the growth was happening. But my parents were extremely tenacious and kept going from doctor to doctor, especially military doctor to doctor. They're not really worried about aesthetics. They just want to fix the problem and found a doctor that said, I can try. He said, I can't guarantee anything. He says, but I can get in there and I can remove bone and I can break bone uh, to stop the growth, but she will never walk or wear shoes because of the deformity in her feet. And so they're like, okay. And at 14 months though, I had casts up to my, my thighs and uh, my sister was yelling to my mom that I was trying to climb the stairs. And so my mom screamed my name and I actually stood up on my casts and I walked all the way around the house to get to my mom. And that was my first step was with these casts on at 14 months. So I could walk, <laughs> but. Just not, you can walk. That's a sign of stubbornness. This is oh, when yeah. stubbornness plays to our advantage. It helps yes. you overcome the disability you already told you'd never do. Right, you know, that's kind of my whole life is I feel like I've, I've always been told you shouldn't or you can't do this. And and in my mind, that's an instant watch me yeah, kind right. of mindset. Right. Hold so my beer. I, it's the hold yes, my beer. Watch absolutely. this. And my mom said from that point on, she really had a hard time holding me down. So all through, you know, the doctor said to, you know, not to let me run, not to let me hop, skip or jump or anything because my feet could collapse. And so I was, I was really held down as a child, very sedentary and kind of played sports. Um, I played right field in softball. Cause you Does just that mean you don't do a lot? I don't right. know the difference. Okay. Got that's <laughs> right, where right. I would, that's where I yeah. would sit. That'd be great. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody hits the ball in right field. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then to get my letterman's jacket in high school, it, you know, bless my high school's heart. They allowed me to be the manager of the cross country team. So I literally Aww. just stood there and they gave me a letter in cross country because I was the manager. And so that was it as far as athletics or sports went. And we go back to, you know, the stubbornness. As soon as I left the house and my mom wasn't watching me, <laughs> I went to my first gym and just fell in love with the, the movement of exercise. I started taking group exercise classes and lifting a few weights here and there and just loved it. And so at that time I was going to Arizona State University for a degree in dietetics and, you know, was learning about nutrition, 
exercising a lot, and that just kind of sparked inside me uh, what you see today. Now, um, the degree in dietetics, that's kind of um, a traditional Western four-year academic diploma. And a lot of us, and I'm including myself into your esteemed group of people who are health coaches, do intermittent fasting, don't necessarily follow that paradigm because we see it's bought and paid for by pharma and um, by food manufacturers. So how did you, how were you able to settle that angst in your heart. Okay. You are my sister from another mister. So <laughs> I, I was going through school and during that time I'd had two, my kids are 18 months apart. So I had two small kids and uh, school was getting very difficult, but there was just something inside of me. Cause at that time, I mean, the food pyramid, I believe came out in 1990 or 92. And I was in college at that time and they were trying to teach me the food pyramid and it just did not sit well with me. So you knew then, even though we were low fat, we were lied to, but that was 80s and 90s. We were low fat, Mm -hmm. low cholesterol, and we were telling people carbs. So you knew innately then that wasn't right? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I just feel like it's common sense. When you look at that bottom of the pyramid, it's brown. It is brown. <laughs> Where's all the color um, and the phytonutrients and stuff? And so I, I just, yeah, it really didn't sit that well with me. So the idea of dietetics at that time, um, it was easy for me to go, you know what? I was literally a semester away from graduating. And I just, my husband and I were like, you know, you're just going to be a stay-at-home mom anyway. <laughs> my poor parents, they paid out-of-state tuition. <laughs> but I just... I just didn't ever see myself teaching what I was learning. And so um, I did let it go. And I continued to be self-taught, which I have for over 20 years. And then, you know, finally decided to uh, become a a certified uh, nutritionist instead. And it's funny, I have a lot of friends that are in, uh, that are nutritionists as well. And they have the exact same story. They went to college to, to become a dietitian and uh, pulled pull back because it just wasn't the direction that they wanted to go. So a nutritionist, if we're going to use terminology here, it differs from a dietitian in that it's not a four-year degree in a, right. again, a an American or Western medicine type mm-hmm. schooling. And it's more about in bioindividuality, how yeah. you react, what foods speak to you. I always say, and someone taught me, love the foods that love you back. And Mm. so I know in my own journey as an intermittent faster and having a lot of autoimmune conditions that I have to decide what works for me may not work for you. Yeah. And I hear that all the time. And I have one of one of my closest friends is she was a Western medicine doctor, anesthesiologist, uh, and she decided to go into functional medicine. And I kind of see those two things being the same, that you've got the, you know, Western medicine doctor, the dietitian that are you know, educated in, in that realm. And then nutritionists who kind of, and that is sadly to say that that term is, there is a broad spectrum when it comes to that. And I do understand some To which one? Functional medicine? To, no, to, to being oh. a nutritionist. Oh. Because oh, oh, right. every state has a different law and sure. people will call themselves that. And, and, and so I do know that some dietitians have problems with that term. And I, I, I do empathize with that, but there are some very educated, whether even if they're just self-taught, because I do believe that someone who has spent 10, 20 years educating themselves uh, knows a lot more than somebody who's been in school for six months, you know? Right, 
Right. I totally agree. What What do your feet look like now? What do your extremities and things that were part of the Agent Orange, how, how did they repair? Um, horribly. <laughs> wow. But, you know, at least I will tell you that I, just in the last year, I have embraced, I mean, I'm 47, so it took me 46 years to embrace Well, you them. look 27, but go oh, ahead. Bless you. Um, <laughs> and so I've just started wearing open-toed shoes for the first time, and I've started really? going to beaches without keeping my shoes on or hiding my feet in the sand, because I'll be honest with you, because I am pretty physically fit, I do appreciate when people look at me, they look down at my feet and you can see the shock and then they look back at my physique and I'm like, yes, you can too. If I and can, then, then they look you at can. you and they're like, she's a badass and I'm not going to say anything to her and I'm just going to keep walking on the beach. I saw your your delts and your triceps and a picture on your when I was getting your information from your website. Yeah, you are cut, sister. Well, um, did, was there ever a time that Melissa was uh, fluffy and fat? Because you're, you're thin and fit now. And no, um, I, no, I, I, I was never overweight, but then again, the doctors told my parents, which my parents relayed to me, I can't be. So that is a huge accountability factor for me. My feet can't handle the weight. And mm -hmm. so, you know, whether or not I was going to be, you know, in the nutrition or the fitness realm, I needed to always keep my weight down because my feet couldn't handle any extra weight, especially because I became a a group exercise instructor and a master trainer. And I was jumping around and it, my poor mom scared her to death because they said that if I did any kind of activity, I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40. So she kept waiting for the day that my feet would say, I can't do this anymore. And I would end up in a wheelchair, but 47 and I'm, I'm still going strong. Well, what about <laughs> pregnancy? There was weight gain there. How did you manage? Yeah. Laziness. <laughs> Good. I think you yeah. should. But did your feet bother you? Um, not that I can, rec I mean, okay, so I've been told I have a really high tolerance of pain. Uh, so they might have, and I'm just really used to that feeling. Uh, to be honest, I don't recall any specific pain. The hardest, I'll tell you, the, the time that I remember my feet hurting the worst was when I, shoes that were very popular, I don't know if you remember them, called Nike Shocks. Well, yes. They were super popular and all of the other master trainers were wearing them and I would stuff my fat little feet in those and Oh my gosh, my feet hurt. And I would, like, I've got the weirdest bumps and bunions and stuff on my feet now because of them. But that's the only time that I can really recall that they were at just excruci excruciating. It was bad. Have you ever seen, uh, I think PBS did it years ago. It was the documentary on the Chinese foot binding that it's a oh, sign gosh, of no. wealth and prestige in um, mm. the East, the Far East in China for women to have small feet. And a few women are tall there, not many. So they would yeah. bind the feet to make them small. And that's probably Ugh. what you have done oh, and sure. the discomfort when you'd put your foot in a shoe that wasn't the best fit for you. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so let's talk about what was the, so you started looking at the food pyramid and you were thinking, like, how did you know that wasn't good? Because we were told that the whole grains were good for us. We didn't know that was a sugar and cancer diet and type two diabetes diet with that many whole grains. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you just, and you know, I was raised Southern and so it was always, you know, meat and potatoes was what we ate every single day. And something day. was fried too, probably. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm of in the course. South, sister, I know. <laughs> and I just, it, I guess it's innate in me, but I've always, and I still to this day, I think, I mean, your plate should just be covered in vegetables. 
And good. I just, it, when I looked at that food pyramid and I saw that they were prioritizing the grains over, you know, the fruits and especially the vegetables, I just thought to myself, I, I can't understand this being the healthiest thing that, that I've ever seen. And there was not a lot of talk of, you know, what can happen to long-term e- use of no. eating these mm-hmm. grains. Mm-hmm. But my, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law was trying to lose weight. And, and I remember specifically her getting a, she would get these fat-free loaves oh. of French bread oh. from, um, I think it was Rosars in, in Washington state. <clears throat> and she would, that's what she would eat for lunch because it was low calorie and there was no fat. And it's, she, she didn't look very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, puffy, inflammation. Mm-hmm. We know Frumpy. what wheat does to your digestive system, your memory, your brain. I mean, all the things yeah. about it mm-hmm. were just very challenging for her to keep a slim self. Yeah, and, and it was all about just calories, you know, back then. There was no thought of, you know, micronutrients whatsoever. It was just 100% how many calories she got in the day. And, and it, you could just, it was just so void of nutrition. And anybody with common sense, I would think, would, I'm calling my mother-in-law out, would, would look at that and go, well, it was her- be healthy. No, it was the culture. Everything was based on how many calories something had or how many fat grams. Mm-hmm. And I still, still hear today. that. I remember seeing women in the 90s that went on low-fat diets. Yeah, they lost weight, but their skin had huge lines in them. Their mm-hmm. faces were dry because fat gives us the emollient. That's why my hair's yeah. shiny and my skin yeah. is bright. It's because I eat pork lard and whatever I'm pointing mm-hmm. to my kitchen, like whatever butter, I've real butter at lunch or whatever. Yeah, right. um, But I remember this one lady being, she was slim, but she looked 10 or 15 years older because the way her skin mm-hmm. looked, her hands looked and everything because what fat provides. So uh, what are some things you think are important for our diets every day, no matter, I mean, kind of across the board as much as we can, there's some person's going to say, and can't eat that. And I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the right. rest of us. What do you recommend for everybody? I recommend all vegetables. So I have people come to me and say, well, what about potatoes or what about corn? And I tell them that's in my opinion, the least of your worries at, at that point. Let's, because most people are coming from such a refined and processed diet that let's just get rid of uh, the, the foods that are refined and processed and just go back to whole foods. And so I always start off people by just understanding that all vegetables are okay. And when you really start to get picky, you know, we have, you know, the nightshades and we do have, right. you know, potatoes and we have to be careful with, you know, corn not being um, GMO, GMO and all that stuff. So right. you really can get into that, but just to stair step people into a healthier lifestyle, I try not to get them too worried about being picky about their vegetables. Let's just have you get a lot of vegetables in your diet. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, um, I do think fruit. So I have a love-hate relationship with fruit. Um, I think berries are wonderful. People have to remember that coconut and avocados are technically fruits. So when you eat a coconut or an avocado, you're having Good. fruit. Good. Um, but I do believe that we tend to overdo a fruit. Uh, and if I can tell you a story real quick of my daughter, who's, like I said, now 25 um, and going to school to be a nutritionist, but she, yeah. uh, during her college years, decided to be a vegan, you know, against my against my better judgment. And um, 
we went to get our blood test done together and she was so excited to show me how her vegan diet was so much healthier than my my made diet which is you know a higher fat lower carbohydrate diet and we got our triglycerides tested and the nurse thought the machine was broken with my daughter because it came in almost at 600. Now oh. remember anything, anything over 125 is of concern. And so she redid the test and it came back again. And it's because my daughter as a vegan was eating a ton of fruit and it was raising her triglycerides a lot. Is and that so, right? So fruit yeah. would raise that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so at that point she decided to you know, very, very um, slowly, not be, she was, she did it for ethical reasons, bless her heart. She's got a big heart, but to, to get back to eating a more healthy diet. Does she close <laughs> her eyes now when she eats the burger? Oh, Lisa, <laughs> Don't the tell funny, me what it is. Yeah. The funniest thing is that she won't eat things like, like a bowl of shrimp because to her, that's a whole lot of lives that have died. Instead <laughs> of just one, one. cow. <laughs> yeah. And really the cow, I mean, he, yeah. it, there are a lot of things the cow does. So he gives milk, yes. I guess she does. She's alive. Right. Yeah. Um, I, because I'm in health coaching school at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And mm -hmm. just this weekend, I was uh, watching my um, some of the lectures. And one of the lectures said that the husband had the beginnings of coronary heart disease. So she did. They went completely vegan, did all the things and went back for their testing. And she said it was the worst they had the worst blood uh, lab work that they had seen in 20 years. And that's when she said it's, and we said that, I said that earlier about bio-individuality, it works for a whole lot of people. But mm -hmm. then there, in fact, there were two lectures just in this weekend that told us this, a similar story that they tried it. So it mm -hmm. works for a whole lot of people, but it may not work for you, but it might. Right. And if it does, great. But yeah. if it doesn't, jump ship. It's, it's, it's possible, but you, a lot of people will come to me um, wanting to incorporate the made diet, the, the diet um, that I created, but they want to do it vegan. And so they'll come to me and they'll say, what kind of protein should I eat? And I'm like, that's your job. If you're going to commit to this kind of lifestyle, you need to educate yourself. You cannot come into something like that blindly. You're going to have serious nutri nutrient deficiencies. Uh, I have friends that are that were vegan for two and a half years and just pulled away because they their health was deteriorating. And there are no two people on this planet that I know studied veganism more than them. They were they were perfect at it. And still after two and a half years, they had to go back to eating meat because they were just really starting to have a lot of gut issues uh, not having meat in their diet. You need to follow Dr. Stephanie Rimka, R-I-M-K-A. Um, okay. I interviewed her a few months ago. She's a chiropractor in Atlanta who was a vegan. And at age, I think she was saying, she was trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant. And on the vegan diet, she had um, facial hair, cystic acne. Mm -hmm. And she said, because so many people on a vegan diet have a lot of soy and um, grains, you know, bread products. And she pushed herself into PCOS, got off the vegan diet, has liver every day, has meats every day. And she's the size of this pen and fit yeah. and healthy and her brain yeah. works fine. So that was, that was the first person that really showed me the before and after, but the Steph Stephanie Rimka is, she's something. I mean, she mm. doesn't mind telling it like it is. And I, you know, I just like people that tell the truth and can oh, absolutely help us find whatever works for us. So tell me about your self-made diet and, and how you found it and what is it? Well, I 
you know, unarguably believe, and I think most people would agree that the Mediterranean diet is, you know, pretty much the healthiest diet yeah, for sure. us humans being in the blue zone and everything. And the MAID diet is very similar to the Mediterranean, except that in all my years of helping people, most people are coming into this, I, I want to get healthier uh, out of a very, you know, standard American diet where they have had way too many carbohydrates in their diet, causing all of these hormonal imbalances. And so although I feel like the Mediterranean is, is a healthy diet, it's a healthy diet for a healthy person. The MAID diet does pull back on carbohydrates a little bit more than the Mediterranean to help them become insulin sensitive again and to flick, fix that metabolic flexibility so that their body can go back to burning fat just as easily as it does carbs because they're coming to me confused. Their bodies just are so out of whack. And so by lowering those carbohydrates for you know a, a long length of time, it uh, just kind of resets everything. And then if they feel once they're just, you know, at their, their optimal, they want to go back to having a little more carbohydrates. And I still, I'll never be a gluten, grain, dairy lover. I just never will be. I've seen too many life changes for people that have, have cut it out or minimize it. But they can add more carbohydrates in once their body has been reset back to being optimal. And then the Mediterranean diet is great. But that's what the May diet was for is because obviously we have to hold protein at a certain level uh, for most of us, you know, there's still a little controversy on protein. Dr. Longo says lower and then you've got people right. that say you know, a pound uh, per, a gram per pound. So, per pound. you know, I do believe, you know, pretty much in between there, I always say between 25 and 35% of your calories coming from protein. And then what you've got left is fat and carbs. And so some people will do, I have a really good friend. Uh, she's a, uh, I can't cuss. She's a, a brick crap house. Yes. And she, yes. You know what I'm talking about. And, and she's, she's, I don't want to say she's bow, chicka, bow, bow. Oh, she's gorgeous. And she's, she's, she's in that kind of competitive mindset where fat will make you fat. And uh, uh, so she, yeah. she limits her, her fat a little bit. Um, but she is very strongly believes in, you know, calories in, calories out. Um, so you have to kind of choose. And when you look at carbohydrates, they're great for energy, they give you energy, but then you look at fat, fat, or fat can give you energy, but it's also, uh, it helps cushion your arteries. It, every single cell in our body is surrounded by fat. So fat has such a deeper nutritional value than carbohydrates do, and you shouldn't have a lot of both. So I would rather, and anybody that I work with, I would rather them see have higher fat and a lower carbohydrate with that medium amount of protein, which is made stands for moderate protein, adequate fat, decreased carbs, eight hour window. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, let me ask you this. How's it been all your life looking like Sandra Bullock? Okay, I'm sorry. That's only for people watching this on YouTube. You've got to watch this because you're you're Sandra Bullock. Actually, don't watch this because Melissa has no makeup on. She, she's Melissa is all, all gorgeous. <laughs> oh, Sandra Bullock doesn't wear a lot of makeup. Well, so do you get that? Do you get that everywhere you go? I do. Um, I've had I had a drunk gentleman once just wouldn't believe that I wasn't her, so he got a fake autograph. <laughs> My son-in-law looks like Drake the rapper, and so okay. we, it is so fun for us to go places oh, and sure. people people say, "Now you Drake," but my son-in-law yeah. is only like five nine. I think Drake's taller, but they have the same 
racial blend, everything okay. about them, the same beard. That's awesome. So I think it's so funny. Yeah. Well, thank I get you. it all the time with Pamela Anderson. I mean, I can't even think of anybody. <laughs> One of the real housewives. No, I'm a brunette. There you go. Really not. Just a quick little break here to tell you what I've embarked on, and I'm asking if you want to join me. I'm a student at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and if anything about investing both financially in your future and in your health sounds appealing, I want you to go to the show notes and click on the link to get more information. People, health coaching is the future. Major news organizations are focusing on this fact. That's because the amount of people with health issues, really serious health issues, continues to grow. We need more health coaches to help steer people to good health. You could be the very conduit to get them there. I chose the six-month course with IIN. My daughter chose the year-long course. It's up to you. Either way, we'll have our certifications in no time. I love my classes at IIN. Names you recognize, Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Andrew Weil. So many people have been our instructors and it's helped me get healthier. Click on the show notes, get more information. Now back to the interview. <laughs> okay, let's um, let's talk about intermittent fasting then. That's kind of my yeah. mantra and it's me healed too. so many things, a part mm -hmm. of me. I have so many mm -hmm. autoimmune conditions that are the best doctors have ever seen. And yeah. I would I would attribute that to, to digesting in a shorter window. So I do mm -hmm. about a five hour window, four to five hours, because that's okay. what fits me. Sure. Um, some days I do a one hour window and if they're, we're busy, I might have an eight hour window because of metabolic flexibility. I can yeah. go back and forth and my body actually craves that. It's just listening to your body, learning to listen to your body. But mm -hmm. how did you get on the intermittent fasting train? I, by accident, to be honest. So I've been an intermittent faster now for, shoot, 25 years. Oh, wait, years. that was before anybody, before it was cool. Yeah, I'm I'm, I, I'm probably the first person on the planet to intermittently fast. I'm just kidding. How, well, they thought you were mentally ill. Oh, Or you had an eating disorder. They thought you had an eating disorder. I, mm -hmm. I got that, and but I also hit it. So um, being a fitness professional, <laughs> you know, all of the fitness magazines, you know, you, you eat first thing in the morning to rev your metabolism. And every three hours. Five to six meals a day. And so I, that's... That's what I was doing. Um, yeah. And I had a business mentor that, because I used to film fitness videos, and she said, you are the only person that comes camera ready. She says, everybody else has to diet before they are ready oh. to film. And she says, what do you do differently? And I just, I kept going, I, I don't know. I think we all eat healthy. And I was racking my brain and I finally You didn't know out. it had a term, right? No, it was just I'm the way like, Melissa ate. Yeah. I'm like, I don't eat breakfast. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's it. You don't eat breakfast? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Why didn't like, you? It. Why I didn't did, you I though? Did. I didn't like taught, it. Nope. I always, I taught group exercise in the morning and I, and I would, I'll challenge anybody on energy during a workout. I just was so uncomfortable with anything in my stomach. I could jump higher. I could move faster. Absolutely. I, I could, you know, propel my voice better without a lump in my stomach before I, and I mean, sometimes I would work out, you know, two hours, very, very difficult two hours, completely fasted. And, and I Well, let's also, talk about, people don't think about the work. That's why my doctors have said I have this rare swallowing disorder. 
uh, he did, he's an advanced clinician, mm-hmm. stayed away. He said it's because of the work digestion does. So if you're busy digesting, you're, you've got saliva that has enzymes, you're breaking down the food, your esophagus is working, peristalsis, your lower esophageal sphincters opening, closing, opening, yeah. closing. It makes working out harder because you are working out. Yes. Your body is working out on your behalf, but we were all told mm-hmm. you have to have a banana with peanut butter before you work out, before you run, or an apple. So I did that, and yeah. I and you know the other thing food does so sleepy. Like ugh. the minute I eat, I want to go night night, suck my thumb. Somebody read me Good Night Moon. I'm done. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's so much better. Um, the magic, though, I heard Doctor Fung, who I. I call the father of intermittent fasting. He's a, a nephrologist and has done so much scientific research and it's profound. A little on the nerdy side, but I think it's cute. You know, I just love everything about him. It's cute. But I, I heard him last week say something that I, I'm an intermittent fasting health coach. So I've always told people you fire ketones for fuel and all this. He said, well, actually the reason you have so much energy during the fasted state is your adrenals are working and producing adrenaline. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes you run the thing that makes you fire. So that's why you're the first person ever to admit it. You really felt better in the morning, exercising in the fasted state. I need everybody listening right now to take a deep breath because they're either breathing in a paper bag or they're calling their husband going, this lady's crazy. (laughs) No, it's both ladies. We are telling the truth, (laughs) y'all. But don't you feel better in the fasted state even working out? Yes. Yes. And it, it's no different than sleeping. You know, we as intermittent fasters usually preach not to eat for several hours before you go to bed because your body's either in a digestive or a rest in a repair state. And so if you're eating right before you go to bed, your body cannot rest and repair. If you're exercising, you oh, that's can't good. Yeah. put all of that energy into exercise because it's digestion takes a lot of that's work. That's what I'm saying. It's a workout. Yeah, it absolutely. is a workout for your GI tract and mm-hmm. all the magic that happens there. Well, mm-hmm. then let's talk about the important GI tract and how it works right into gut health. Okay. What are your basic tenets of gut health that you love? Well, again, I you know I, I do believe that we need to give our stomachs a rest, which is one of the reasons why I'm just not a fan of the five to six small meals a day. Okay, now do your fellow um, workout gurus think that? Because here's the deal. A lot of them are peddling a product. They have a proprietary yeah. interest. Mm-hmm. So they they really want you to drink because they have a BCAA drink that you get that you sign up under them. So yeah. how does that how does that communication go between you and fellow um, fitness enthusiasts? Well, I, they're coming around. They're Good. definitely coming around. Good. I I do believe, you know, there's the the post-workout, there's the, the mm-hmm. snack bars, the, mm-hmm. all of this stuff in the breakfast And it's all packaged crap, stuff. isn't it? Oh, oh, absolutely. That's what I thought. <laughs> Very difficult to find anything in a package that's good for you. That's right. <laughs> Very difficult. And so they are coming around because it just, it literally just makes sense that, I mean, because it, it takes, you know, at bare minimum eight hours for you to digest a meal. So why on earth do you think after two hours of eating, that you're starving again. And that is a trigger word for me because it bothers me when people will tell me 
after eating lunch two hours later, I'm starving, I need something to eat. And I'm like, would you please think of that word before you use it of who's really starving versus you who just had a meal two hours ago, you're fine. <laughs> so, but what do you think that is? Do you think that's um, the brain's dependence on glucose going up and down and they really do, because we used to think before we did intermittent fasting that mm -hmm. hunger was an emergency. It's not. No. Hunger is just a time to tell your body to hush because you'll come mm -hmm. back in an hour and you're going to eat. So yeah. do you think those people truly are very, very hungry, Melissa, or they overuse the term? Oh, absolutely overuse the term. I, number okay. one, boredom. And number two, yeah. I just read a study this morning. I wish I could cite it for you. Uh, but it, it's not really the fact of the food that will raise your insulin. It's the lowering of the insulin, that crash. Uh, it was a study on low carb and high carb diets and uh, appetite. And they were showing that people that are on a low carbohydrate diet that don't have that huge high and low versus the higher carbohydrate that have a huge spike. The hunger, when it starts to go down, um, is enormously different by someone that didn't allow that huge spike to happen versus someone who does. So your body goes into a panic mode because it's not metabolically flexible. It doesn't know how to burn either fat that you've eaten or fat on your body because it is so dependent on the glucose that you eat that it panics and it, it'll do, I mean, it will completely distract you. That's why you get brain fog. That's why you can't concentrate. That's why there's these really harsh cravings is because your body's panicking and telling you, I need sugar right now because I don't know how to function without it. Now I'm from the purest school of intermittent fasting of the clean fast. So that means I, yes. when I open, I do not uh, ingest anything. I don't care if it's zero calories or it doesn't matter. My I understand pituitary sees it as food and has to release insulin to usher, unlock the cell to usher glucose to the cells. So in the morning, do you drink coffee, water, unsweetened tea? Yes, I, girl has to have her black coffee. Uh, and I, I also have a pre-workout that I have, but the pre-workout that I use, you know, has, you know, green tea in it and oh, quercetin and a lot of really good quality ingredients that I think oh, benefit benefit my workout versus not having it and being, you know, a cleaner, pure fast, but that's it. There's, you know, I get asked for literally probably 20 times a day, at least 20 <laughs> to 50 times, does the creamer break my fast? Does my, you know, post recover break my and fast? And I say yes to all those. I and, say and, yes to all of them. And it's as simple as I'm, I'm, I might be a little bit <laughs> curt with them because they're like, I just can't drink my coffee black. And I'm like, well, why are you drinking coffee? <laughs> if you don't like the taste of coffee, don't drink it. Don't put yeah. a bunch of crap in it so that you like the taste of it. Find something else. <laughs> that's, that's a real good reason because I get that a lot. I'm just not a coffee drinker. So it's never crossed my mind. In fact, it yeah. tastes like coffee. So I think it's nasty. <laughs> um, yeah, Ugh, I just, there's nothing about it. But um, that that's something I deal with. It's funny, um, the people I coach, the men and women are so different. And the women, we have to coddle the women I have. They start with a 16 hour window. And then the next week mm -hmm. they go to a 17 hour window and 18. And yeah. then they're like shaking because they don't have their candy coffee. The men I coach will go, I'm down to two hours eating what you got. And they are, you know, I'm like, 
the drive and ambition, and I'm not making blanket statements, please, no, no emails, no nothing. I'm telling you what I'm discovering with the people, sure. and it may be the age groups I have, but do you see that in kind mm -hmm. of the drive and ambition of men and women that men are like, Arr, Arr. yeah, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's funny because it was my husband who kind of got me into the healthy eating in the first place because we're high school sweethearts. Um, We've been together over 30 years. But Is that right? Yes. In high school, he was, I would, I would sit and play my Nintendo. Remember I had to sit as a child. So I'd play my Nintendo, so eat my cute. bag of Doritos and drink my Coca-Cola. And he was just naturally healthy. It's not because he wanted yeah. to, for, he wouldn't touch margarine. He's like, I'm not touching that fake stuff. He, he would knew help. better. He did. And so he kind of, I always give him credit. And now he's, it's to his demise because like he'll buy like conventional beef. And I'm like, what are you Stop doing? Stop that. You're like, get that cow out of this house. Totally. And he's like, oh, I created a monster. Right. But, but yeah, he, he and with him and I, if ever I want to do like a three day fast or anything, an extended fast, I just look at him like, we do it with me. He's like, absolutely. And it, he, he doesn't complain. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. He's just, he, he's so easygoing when it comes to, to diet and eating and well, that's one thing I noticed with my clients. They, their spouses get on board when they see it's really easy. Yeah. They, and nobody's starving themselves that, that the wife is eating what she wants to eat just in a shorter window. And then sure. they both go to shorter windows. And one of them, even I had her call the other day and they'd driven to the beach and from Arkansas, it's about 10 hours. She said, used to, she would have the Doritos, she would eat the whole time. She said she was drinking her unsweet tea and her water and, she said, I made, she said, I had to pee a lot. We stopped a lot because I had to pee. But she said, it's amazing what you don't have to eat. The other thing I think I'm seeing too, Melissa, with about food, if we talk about food, because I'm learning besides big pharma, the food industry is subsidized by government. Yeah. And I don't watch TV, but because I got mad before COVID and I haven't turned it on since. Um, but I, yeah, I can't, my mental, and I say that kind of lighthearted, but my mental health can't take it because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an empath and I really care about people and stuff. So it's just too much. Yeah. But, um, people tell me all the times about their, the food commercials they see, well, I don't see them. So I don't know, but they really have convinced us that this package of a hundred calorie brownies mm -hmm. is fine because it's the same as a hundred calorie, you know, avocado, which makes me want to fall off my chair and kick. So um, how how do we get across to people that if it's if you buy it in the middle of the store, except for canned goods, I, I think the canned goods I get vegetables are fine if yeah. you can't get fresh. Sure. But how can we convince people that the foods we get in the middle of the store that have any ingredients on the back are going to kill you? <laughs> That's what you're thinking too, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, um, you, know, you say you're an empath, but I want you to know that that I own the title of most empathetic person on the planet. So you can be number two. Okay. But you, but yeah, because it's hard. It's oh, hard being this. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I've I've had to stop going to the Texas State Fair because my heart breaks because of you know how we fry everything at the Texas <laughs> State Fair. Okay, you're taking it a bit far. Fried foods are involved. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> fried everything, fried beer. Yeah, fried everything, right. No, but, but even going to the grocery store and seeing people that, that could use, you know, a, a nutritional intervention and seeing All what's the time. in their cart. All the um, time. Literally, All the time. literally chokes me up. Um, I, I totally agree. I, I, I'm, what you're throwing down, I'm picking it up. <laughs> yeah, it's heartbreaking. And so that's why, you know, that's why I've dedicated, especially my Instagram account to 
educating people on simple things from, you know, hormones to gut health, to intermittent fasting, yeah. to whole foods, to, you know, not believing everything that you hear from bro science. <sighs> That's the big one. Bro science is a very hard thing to dig. And what's it called? What's the term? Bro science. It's really people that are in uh, like, you know, that are in the gyms, like these huge muscle bound men and these gorgeous, you know, I I don't, not just fitness competitors, but just that, that beautiful physique. They will tell you, you know, to eat low fat and to have chicken and broccoli and eat six meals a day. I know. And these people are believing it because they look so good, but there's just so much underlying health issues that come from that long-term and, you know, they see that short-term person, you know, working to compete and they look fantastic and they think that they can fit that way of eating into their normal lifestyle. And so debunking that, that what you see these amazing humans doing is not a lifestyle. You know, they have an on-season and an off-season. So I'm trying really hard to remind people that, you know, you got to go back you know, a few hundred years and, and look at those people, not what you see in the fitness magazines and on, you know, your fitness influencer on, on social media telling you, you know, that it's all about calories. Just right. use my fitness pal, count your calories, be in a deficit and you'll be healthy. I and, wish the math was so easy. Oh, absolutely. We would have solved this. That should make people realize that it doesn't work because we can't say we haven't made the attempts. And as I've always said, yeah. Dr. Fung says, there's no reunion show of the biggest loser. Right. That's true. It's because true. we they've messed up their ghrelin and leptin and YY yeah. peptide. And yeah. All, all the things that determine your metabolic rate and your hunger. Yeah. Well, hunger is, true hunger is a powerful thing. So mm-hmm. the person that tells you they're starving, they're really not starving. But true hunger is a powerful thing. And mm-hmm. we know that when you lower those calories... Mm-hmm. And you downregulate your metabolism. And when you have, everybody listen to me, lower metabolism, no, lower metabolism means hungrier person. Uh-huh. And until you realize that every time you mess with it, you're bringing it down a notch, yeah. down a notch. Now you can heal it through intermittent fasting. Yeah. But it takes a minute. It does. And it's, it, you know, hunger's transient. It's not, you people, people think, oh my gosh, I got the sensation of hunger. I'm going to be hungry until I eat again. And if they would just look past the 20 minutes of your body saying, huh, I am, a, you know, I'm a little Melissa, I don't think it lasts 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about three to five. Yeah. I like, I have timed it going, I totally forgot about it once just I did something busy. else. Yeah. Yes, 100%. it's amazing. Yeah. But that's what, again, the marketing companies with these food manufacturers we don't want people to be hangry. You have to have a Snickers bar. Yes. You know, because we don't want you to be hungry. But mm-hmm. true hunger really isn't that big of a deal. Okay, let's talk about glucose now. So okay. I tried the continuous glucose monitor. I had the two-week data and very interesting. And uh-huh. um, very my telling. Very. And it was showing me what my body was doing. I saw a couple of spikes in there that I was real worried and I called my original endocrinologist is 81 years old. So he's kind of old school yeah. in the way he thinks. Yeah. And I still, he diagnosed my thyroid disease and some other endocrine issues I have. So I texted him the other day and said, okay, I'm about to jump off the ledge. Am I okay? And he goes, he said, actually you're, you're normal. Cause I did have ice cream after lunch the other day with my granddaughter. He said, your glucose went up. He goes, but it came back down. So insulin was doing its job. job. 
I thought because it spiked, girl, it was like 160 something. And I, I'm usually, you know, out there at 100. Yeah. But sure. he said it was just, but he said it came down immediately. I mean, it went up and came down immediately. Mm-hmm. He said, so we're not worried. So what are your thoughts? You think a CGM is a good thing? Have you tried one? I, I do. Yeah, actually, uh, my girlfriend that's the functional medicine doctor uh, gave me like a six month um, subs- subs- oh. prescription to it. And so I worked yeah, for the pre- longest time and uh, had so much fun with it and um what did you find out that was telling to you anything well yeah um i thought you were going to tell me that your 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 reading was higher in the morning um because i it, it was it was a, and a lot of people you know panic explain about that. that explain well, that because that, that's that you think well i flunked because I haven't eaten, because I at that point, yeah. by 6 a.m., I haven't eaten for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the next few hours, Melissa, it would kind of go up to yeah. 110 or 115 yeah. and then well, come back down. That's cortisol. Your body releases cortisol in the morning to help wake you up and get you going. Oh, and so cortisol, cortisol raises. It, oh, wow. Had no idea. Yeah. So, that, I mean, it, that should happen. If it doesn't happen, then you might have, you know, cortisol issues. So you actually see that that spike in the morning. And also when you exercise, it will spike for the same reason. You've got adrenaline and cortisol being released. And so it, it raises your, your blood glucose too. That's the way the body's supposed to work. But when you eat a meal, you know, like when you have your snack of Snickers and it, it just shoots through the roof, that's not normal. <laughs> normal right. food should not cause this huge spike even the cortisol doesn't cause a huge spike it just you know you'll you'll see a blip but nothing there you never should see something dramatic unless you're running from you know the bear uh you might see a dramatic spike because your your body is just pushing the the glucose release in the liver i heard dr hyman or somebody in dr Weil, somebody the other day say that we've always said we'd like a hundred is average glucose, you know, 80 to 100, he mm-hmm. said, and A1C, we say 5.8. He said, but that's the conglomerate average. He goes, we don't, functional medicine doctors don't, that's too high. It is. He said, is. we'd like to see your A1C under five. Mm-hmm. And he said, your blood glucose for longevity, yes. reduction of dementia, um, dementia, type two diabetes, cancer, mm-hmm. coronary heart disease. He said, we'd really like to see that blood glucose 90-ish. So yeah. how, what are you saying is the best way to bring that down? More fat? Uh, yeah. Well, it just less. So Crap. you want, yeah, you want your carbohydrates and your fiber to be like even keel. So if you're eating something that's, you know, got carbohydrates in it, it better have a ton of fiber as well. Cause that really helps balance that. Well, spike. like what would have that? A, be- a sweet uh, potato? Vegetables. Okay. And Lisa, I'll tell you so many people will tell me, um, I can't, you know, they'll say you, you don't have any carbs. I'm like, I eat a ton of vegetables and they're like, vegetables aren't a carb. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) yes, they they are. are. (laughs) Yes, they are. So, you know, people, people label carbohydrates as the bottom of that pyramid, the pastas, the breads, um, the rice, that is a carbohydrate to them. Uh, Berries and vegetables are not a carbohydrate, which is which is a problem because when, you know, when I'm telling them to have, you know, say for instance, just 15% of their calories as carbs to them, that's like a piece of bread, but they don't realize how much fruit and how much vegetable you can have 
I have them with every single meal and I have the rainbow of color and I'm very satiated and I'm very full from it. And I know I'm taking very good care of myself, but they don't see fruits and vegetables as a carbohydrate. And to go back to the, you're talking about the, the difference between, you know, being normal, the, the levels, the glucose uh, mm -hmm. for uh, something for people to think about when you wake up in the morning, you have about a teaspoon of glucose in your bloodstream. That's a normal person. A diabetic has a teaspoon and a half. So it's that little of a difference that causes you from being normal to being diabetic. And then wow. here we sit and we'll sit down and have this huge pancake breakfast, <laughs> which has so much sugar that you're pouring into the bloodstream. It's no wonder that the body goes into shock, you know, and so much insulin is released. And then we become resistant to it. And your body's just like, I don't hear the insulin signal. And you keep releasing more and, and Insulin, you know, for lack of a better term, rusts your inside. It's just, we were never designed to have so much going through our system. Same with sugar, but insulin as well. And you'll have athletes tell you, well, I burn off the sugar. You might burn off the sugar, but you don't burn off the insulin. You can't burn and off the insulin. There's a difference. So people think if their blood glucose is 100, they'll ask me what their insulin is. I go, you have to have that checked. I don't know. Like, I, I can't look at you and decide, but- They think um, it's the same, yeah. Yeah, it's a, so they think it's the same thing. So insulin's role, if we remember, is to usher the glucose to the cells. Mm -hmm. So you have to have it to live, but it's a fat storing hormone. Mm-hmm. It's not our friend, but it's our friend. You can't sit with us at lunch is what I want to say to it, but I have to have it to get through lunch, right? Yeah. So then how could you measure, What what is the way to measure insulin? Just through a blood test that your doctor runs? Yeah, you can, I mean, you can get the, the finger uh, pricking for your glucose. And I don't, I want to say I saw a chart that kind of roughly told you um, about how much insulin is, you know, excreted, on, oh, okay. on a healthy individual. But if you're not, then yeah, I would definitely have that test run. And there's so many places now that you can, you can even Walk do. In. I'm trying mm -hmm. to think, uh, grassroots, I don't, I think they do grassroots.org is an amazing uh, nonprofit organization that does the, the finger prick and you just drop a piece of blood on okay. a piece and you mail it in and they do so many great tests. Uh, and you don't have to leave your home. And especially Good. in today's day and age, a lot of people would be more comfortable with that. And, you know, they have, I'm pretty sure they'd be, of course, your A1C, but thyroid, okay. everything. I mean, good. good, 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 good. I love amazing. hearing that. Because that's a problem. I think people kind of do a push and pull with their healthcare provider who says, no, you're fine. We don't need oh. to order anything. Yeah. And so I'm saying, no, you don't look fine, but I I, I need an outlet. So that's, that's a really good way. Mm -hmm. Um, to put that. So let's talk about then gut health. We, we know fiber is something important, getting it from vegetables. Do you replenish through cultured and fermented yummies and drink the kombucha and all the things? Yeah, definitely uh, pre and probiotics. And I, and I always highly encourage to get that through whole food, but most people do need a good quality probiotic uh, that will help heal the gut, especially if they have leaky gut probiotics are really good. We're helping tighten those chains, which is so important because there's so many things getting into our bloodstream that we're never meant to. And so, you know, if, if you have any kind of dysbiosis, uh, I think a probiotic is a really good thing to have. And most people do. Yes, they do for at least three months. Uh, and then hopefully you can, you know, continue that path with probiotic foods, but definitely have, have that variety in your diet.
So the prebiotics, is that those green bananas and chicory and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, and asparagus. You know, people didn't oh, okay. think, but asparagus is, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of asparagus. So, you know, getting that a couple times a week is, is going to really help feed the probiotic. Do you ever do the food sensitivity testing? I used to all the time. Uh, and I actually quit because we change. I mean, they're expensive and they change. Yeah, very. You're, by the time you're like, you've, you get your results back and you start to change your diet, something might change. Um, there's a there's a product uh, called Food Marble uh, that I think is a great product. John Hopkins Hospital uses it, especially to help people diagnose with SIBO. And it's one of those uh, little it's just it's like this big and you just breathe into it and it measures hydrogen and methane. Uh, you don't get a methane reading. You only get a hydrogen reading, but it really helps you see if you have a sensitivity uh, to a food. And they even have uh, like little anulin, uh, sorbitol, gluten, and one other one, lactose that you can, it's a powder wow. and you drink it and then you can measure your, uh, your hydrogen levels for three hours afterwards to That's see. That's amazing. And it really helps people see if they have any kind of sensitivity to foods. And what's the word again? Food. Marble. Oh, like marble. All right. Yeah, I'm writing yeah. it down and I'm putting that in the show notes along with grassroots.org and everything about you, I'm putting all that in the show notes. Uh, my functional medicine doctor here um, in Arkansas, what her big complaint with those food sensitivity tests is with a leaky gut, you're going to be, you might have higher mm. positive rates. And she said, not necessarily accurate. It's right. because it's all leaking out of your gut. And she says, you know, her favorite thing to do is a food elimination diet oh, and then yeah. reintroduce it and then try it that way. Have you done the food elimination diet? Like what are your big no-nos? Yeah, obviously. I mean, People have the biggest, uh, you know, reactions to soy, dairy, and gluten. And I, you can't, you have to do one at a time. You can't yeah. do all three. And it's really better to go longer than 30 days, but 30 days will give you a good idea of whether or not, you know, your body, because some people will, will, you know, cut out gluten for, and it's really hard to cut it out because it's hidden. I, you know, I read somewhere that even foods in the grocery store that say gluten-free, 60% of them still have gluten in them. So it's very hard you're celiac i feel so sorry for celiac right for those people that's a small percentage yes but if we go tough. back to what god grows mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about it yeah you know if it's in the produce aisle if it's the meats yeah. if it's packaged for a binder i can promise you that they've probably there is some type of gluten agree in that product um, I heard Dr. Bill Davis, William Davis, the wheat belly guy, yeah. spoke to our Institute of Integrated Nutrition. And he says he really doesn't even love the gluten-free alternatives because of what it does then to blood glucose, if we're talking about blood glucose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you do any, like, do you have, please tell me you have a piece of birthday cake once a year. <laughs> I will feel better. I will sleep better tonight. Yes, I, I believe I have an iron gut, just like I could drink alcohol and drink anyone under the table. I also... <laughs> literally can i mean the only thing that sometimes i will you know my stomach will descend and i look pregnant is if i eat a lot of almonds almonds specifically okay. uh minor onions anything in the alum is that okay. what that is yeah, yeah. Allium, whatever yeah. that family allium. is so i have a real oh, everything else iron gut i'm tough yeah but i have a little of that and i go well and plus 
I may too, but don't tell anybody. Y'all, anybody listening, do not tell anybody that because (laughs) I don't do that. Okay, well, you're fabulous. We've got to wrap things up because you have probably a a whip to crack to get somebody to do a thousand push-ups. So, (laughs) but I've got all the information in show notes. Um, It's The Made Diet by Melissa McAllister. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.